You're listening to Means Less ACC podcast with your hosts Micah from Fifth Quarter and Dan from ACC Content. Dan, we've got a. I guess you could just say we have ACC football. I guess that's really the only only way to look at it. it is definitely the uh, the weekend of home dogs, as pretty much every home team not named Clemson is an underdog this week. I believe. I'm not missed out. No, Duke's Duke's a favorite too, but. Um, yeah, it's definitely a road uh, road favorite weekend in the ACC, and there really aren't that many favorable mashups. Though the ACC does have the best, uh, I guess, the closest spreads of any conference. But the way the ACC's been this year doesn't completely shock me. But how are you doing, Dan? Looking at this slate, any 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 room for excitement here? I mean, there's always somewhat room for excitement. Um, I mean, obviously, next week is a big one with. Clemson and Notre Dame and I just drew out a scenario like kind of accidentally how Clemson could lose one game to Notre Dame and then UNC wins out and Clemson based on the tiebreaker doesn't make the ACC championship game so that makes me kind of think like Clemson's really they have no room for margin for error they have no margin for error so um like this week against Boston College that has me think they'll They'll be wanting to get the starters out fast to prepare for next week. Yeah, absolutely. This is going to be a, an interesting one for sure. We'll just dive right into it. Obviously, Boston College heading to uh, Clemson to battle out the Tigers. The Tigers are 31-point home favorite. Like I said, one of the few home favorites of the week. I mean, you. I would like to think, Dan, that Clemson's not going to do what they did last week against Syracuse and kind of just, like I said, on the, on the review pod, just kind of play – I don't want to say schoolyard ball, but just lacks basical kind of just walking through the motions. I, I have a feeling this might be a – I feel bad for Boston College. This might be an angry Clemson team that wants to go out and really really lay the lumber on, on, a, on a pretty good team. I mean, Boston College, we've talked about, has been very solid so far this year. I mean, they're 4-2 they're and two on the year. So, no, by no means a, you know, cakewalk for Clemson. But, I mean – I guess really the, the argument here is, you know, two, twofold. I, I can't wait to see what Boston College's pass, passing offense looks like and if they'll actually choose to run the football like they kind of did last week, if they'll, if, they'll, if they'll abandon it pretty quickly when Clemson slows it. And two, I mean, will Clemson cover the 31-point spread? I mean, that's that's basically this, this only conversation, in my opinion, Dan. Yeah, I mean, I think this will be a fun matchup. Like, it won't be close, but I think it'll be fun. Um, I, I want to see this Eagles team against – I want to see Phil Dracovic. I want to see them against this high-quality defense. It will be a good kind of point of reference for Halfley's program. I think it could only be positive and not negative because if they lose by 40 points, well, hey, everybody loses by 40 points to Clemson. If they keep it close, then, wow, this program is much farther along than I thought. Um, before I get into my prediction, I'm – I looked at the over-under at 60.5, and I'm definitely thinking it's going to be more high-scoring than that. I think Clemson could get close to that themselves, 60 point. Well, I think they'll get into the – at least into the upper 40s, and then Boston College will score a few touchdowns, in my opinion. So, definitely, I'm locking – we don't do locking the over-unders on here, but if we did, I would definitely lock the over. It's coming the other way around. I think Clemson's defense is going to slow down Boston College. I could see this being like – 45 to seven, even 45, 14 gets you under that 
61 point over under there. But yeah, this, um, I, like you said, I kind of want to see, you know, how Boston College is along the way. I mean, this is one of those games where, you know, if Clemson wouldn't have slept walk last week against Syracuse. I could see this being that game, especially with Notre Dame upcoming, where, you know, Boston College, you know, because they are a very talented team, gives Clemson quite a scare. But I just don't see that happening after what happened last week. Clemson really, I'm sure Dallas preaching them they can't afford to have back-to-back weeks where they struggle with lower tier ACC teams. Again, Boston College, in our opinion, is not a lower tier team, but on the national scale, if you're an outsider to the ACC, you look at Boston College and just kind of go, well, Clemson's struggling with some crappy teams. So, you know, on that note, I think Clemson's just got to, they're going to come out firing. Um, But I can't wait to see. I mean, obviously Clemson's without, you know, some key pieces on the secondary there. So it would be interesting to see, you know, if Phil Jacoba can really get the the offensive kind of rolling against Clemson. And by rolling, I mean, you know, two or three scores would be a huge success for, for the Eagles. So, I mean, who knows? Like I said, I'm definitely going to watch this game. It's definitely going to be fun. I think it's honestly going to be more fun than the, the other noon game in the ACC, uh, which kind of leads to the transition. If you've got nothing more to talk about when we go uh, to Syracuse for Wake Forest in Syracuse. I mean, yeah. I, I just have a general statement kind of for Boston College in the second half of the season because now we're, we've kind of reached that midpoint. Um, I just want to see them establish that run game more. I think they broke out a little bit last week against Georgia Tech and um, their players, like their offensive linemen, they have new blocking schemes or, and whatnot with the new system. So I'll give them a little bit of a break, kind of. They've been improving some of their weaknesses and in turn, a couple of their strengths have gone down, but um, they could run the ball. They'll be a pretty dangerous offense, even more than they are with their passing game. And yeah. Did I get my prediction yet? No, I don't think you did. I, I'm going to go Clemson to cover here. Actually, E, E31. I said 41-14. E, uh, yeah, Clemson covers. Yeah, I agree. I think the spread's pretty good at, what is it, 31 and a half? Yeah, I wouldn't bet this game. If I you know, if I was going to go out and put some money on a game, I'm not betting this because I think Boston College is a good enough team to keep this game under 31. But at the same time, I think if Clemson comes off pissed off, you know, it could be plus uh, – way over 31, but also Clemson could, you know, like you said, you know, they might be up 38 all game. They pull the starters, you know, to rest up for next week. And, you know, that's when Phil Jacobic throws maybe two touchdowns late or something like that. So who knows this game, I would not want to touch uh, unless I had unlimited funds to do so. But um, yeah, no, this is a, this is definitely a game to watch though. I mean, if you're an ACC fan, just again, see how Boston College reacts and also to see if Clemson's going to be alive. Cause you know, we know they're going to give their best next week against Notre Dame, but, you know, it's important to kind of see what they do this week leading up to it. But transitioning over to the other noon game on the ACC network, we've got Wake Forest versus Syracuse. Uh, Wake is a 12-point favor heading over to the Dome, the, the good old Thunderdome, as I like to call it. But, yeah, this is, uh, this is a game that, you know, Wake Forest stumbles when they play Syracuse. And they've lost, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's three straight, Dan. I know it's two straight for sure. I was at the last one. Um, in Winston-Salem and Wake lost that one. And obviously last year, Wake lost on by far one of my favorite ways to lose a game where, you know, you're going for two and you throw a pick that then expands the lead to make it, you know, or no, it was an overtime. That's what it was. It was an overtime. So then it was 
I mean, it was 33 to 30, and then they returned it back, so they got six points. So they actually win by two scores in overtime, which you never see. And the best part was the total was 69 total points. So that made it just a little bit nicer. But yeah, that was uh, that was a weird one. Wake Forest is going to struggle when it comes to playing Syracuse. I mean, Wake Forest is the better team right now with, you know, Syracuse not having Andre Cisco in the lineup as well as, you know, as much I think Rex Culpepper is a, you know, a very solid backup quarterback. He is still a backup quarterback. So this is one of those games where I think this is where Wake Forest's, you know, newly discovered rushing attack might have a pretty good day. I think between, uh, you know, Kenneth Walker and even Sam Hartman with his legs, this is one of those games where, I wouldn't be too surprised if Wake Forest kind of comes out and, and runs the football to kind of open up that passing game a little bit because, again, this is a uh, this is a Syracuse team that, that kind of struggles uh, when it comes to their rush defense, really all around, but especially with their rush defense. So I think this is one of those kind of days where I want to see what uh, what Christian Beal Smith and Kenneth Walker can do for the Deeks. Yeah, I mean, um, Wake has really gotten pretty dangerous on offense. Now they're multi-dimensional with the running game even like you said Hartman could run but they have their two backs and they're doing really well throwing the ball downfield I mean they didn't put up a ton of points against Virginia Tech but um, I mean the other positive sign about that is their defense has been phenomenal so like their defense really struggled the first I'd say three-fourths of what has been what has happened of the season so far, but the last game or two, the defense for Wake, or I'd say the last, so the second half of the Virginia game on. So the last three halves, the Wake Forest defense has been very good. And they are coming off some nice wins against those two Virginia teams. And I mean, they're back to where we thought they were even higher. So very winnable game for Wake. Syracuse is one in five. They'll need to get any win they could get, but I do think, Wake Forest will win and cover this 10 and a half point spread. Um, I honestly thought it was a little high, the 10 and a half point spread, but my theme has always been the Clemson effect. And especially since I really discovered that how it's actually true statistically a couple of weeks ago, I've been very much buying into that Clemson effect. So I think Syracuse will come out slow and beaten down and Wake will get a relatively comfortable win. Yeah, I, I do think Syracuse will find a way to keep it within 10 just because of the, I think the history here. I, mean, I always preach, you know, team histories against opponents. Well, it'll actually play into effect later on when we talk about another matchup here in the ACC. But um, I, I just think that, you know, Syracuse is threatening enough. I do like your mention of the Clemson effect that could, you know, play a role. I don't know if the Clemson effect really applies to a team like Syracuse when they kind of knew they were going to get killed. But again, we saw it with Virginia and they knew they were going to get killed and they actually played uh, Clemson pretty close. But yeah, I, I just worry about Wake Forest maybe not having a letdown game, but kind of just coming out a little slow. They are the better team. And you said you said a big win last week against Virginia Tech, first home ranked win in a while. And then obviously you factor in the Virginia game and it looked good. I mean, they've really looked good since they've, they've responded well to the NC State game for sure. So It'll be interesting to see. I do think Wake Forest will win this one. Um, I can't wait to see what Sam Hartman can do. I think that if he has the opportunity, he could really pick this secondary apart for Syracuse. But again, I think this might, you know, I think what will put Wake Forest over the top is that kind of two-headed monster back with Kenneth Walker and Christian Beal Smith. But any other thoughts, comments on this game, Dan, before we roll over to 
the uh, the next kind of big game here where I guess you could call it a big game because it's also kind of like what comes Clemson Boston College with Notre Dame Georgia Tech one of those games where it'll be interesting to see if Notre Dame sleepwalks a little bit in preparation for next week's big matchup yeah I just want to give a shout out to um, Syracuse linebacker Michael Jones who has been having a phenomenal year and he like came out of nowhere he was on nobody's radar um in the beginning of the year and he made my first team all ACC midseason team so just want to definitely give him a shout out but Syracuse defense I don't know if the rest of that could handle um the wake passing offense especially with some injuries in the secondary so yeah we could move on to we have Notre Dame Georgia Tech you said next Yep, we got Notre Dame, Georgia Tech on three at three thirty on ABC, in what could possibly be an upset, Dan. Um, I will tell you, I, I don't like to play sports before we kind of preview the game, but I will be taking Georgia Tech with the points here. You know, a twenty-point favorite for Notre Dame. I do think Georgia Tech will find a way to cover that. I don't think they win, but. I think it could happen. I mean, Georgia Tech, I mean, I, <laughs> it's kind of funny. I've been a Georgia Tech hater the last few weeks for sure. But I, again, we've talked about it over and over again. This Georgia Tech team is headed in the right direction. And what would be what what would be more perfect than, um, you know, a Jeff Sims led team and, and Jeff Collins just coming out and kind of sticking it to the ACC top two team, obviously not true ACC team at home in front of the crowd that is, I mean, Georgia Tech fan base is still very into it. So don't get me wrong, but I'm sure Georgia Tech fan base is a little defeated right now with everything that's been going on. So this ought to be interesting to kind of see what we get from the Yellow Jackets here. But I mean, I think the biggest key to the game is can Georgia Tech's offense take care of the football and limit the big play defensively? Because I mean, this Notre Dame defense is, not going to give anything easy for Georgia Tech for sure. Yeah, I'm kind of on the same page as you, actually. I think, like, I'm not picking Georgia Tech to upset, but I think um, they do cover that spread. And I, I like Notre Dame. I see them in a new light. I, um, but I think unlike that Pitt team, where, which they just beat 45-3, to three, I think Georgia Tech does have some life. I think they have a strong culture, and they're going to fight in every game this year. And they also came in with low expectations. So a win like this would be massive for this program. Um, like they'll really, I think a team like this, even if they have a losing record, like they're, they're always going to be um, looking for those big wins. So I, I think that plan of plays a role. Obviously, like I said, I don't think they're going to get it, but I definitely think they could keep it within 14 to 17 points. But I mean, this game, it's kind of interesting because these two teams are basically coming off of opposite performances like Georgia tech with a big loss to Boston college and um, Notre Dame with a big win against Pitt. So it'll kind of be interesting to see how they each handle kind of the opposite result of last week. Yeah, for sure. I think that's gotta be the, um, the big kicker here. I mean, Georgia tech, hasn't looked very good in the last few weeks, obviously a 73 to seven loss and then getting blown up by Boston college. But I want to think there's still some life in this Georgia tech uh, team. I think offensively, you know, they really need something to get going here. 
they do get a bye week after this week, so you can go balls to the wall and kind of refresh and be prepared again for Pitt in a couple of weeks. But I, I think this is more just Notre Dame and not in a letdown, but just a sleepwalking phase. I mean, Notre Dame is definitely the better team. This defense, I, I wouldn't be shocked if Notre Dame's defense pitches a shutout or something like where Georgia Tech settles for two field goals and we're talking six, maybe even nine max points there for Georgia Tech. They make and, the field goals. And, and Notre Dame scores like 27, so Georgia Tech still covers just because Ian Book and the offense is just lackadaisical. I could see like almost like we had with that Louisville game a couple weeks ago, you know, where just Notre Dame's just there. Like they're just – they're almost playing with their food and not actually eating it. But, I mean, I, 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 I do think that, you know, Notre Dame has – pretty much the advantage in most positions. I do think that at this moment, Ian Book is better than Jeff Sims. Jeff Sims is going to develop into something special for sure. But yeah, I, I just don't see, I don't see Georgia Tech pulling off the upset. But in the back of my mind, you know, it has, it has that feeling that I had with Pitt last week before obviously they announced Kenny Pickett being out. So who knows? Who, I mean, it would be very ACC-like of Notre Dame. ACC would uh, Notre Dame could officially call themselves an ACC team if they find a way to lose this weekend because that would just be an ACC thing to do to lose as a top four team against a, a team you're a 20 point road favorite against. But any other thoughts, Dan, before we move to what will be my game of the week? Yeah, I it actually is my game of the week too. But yeah, before we get to that, like I completely agree on how Notre Dame kind of has an advantage in most or if not all position groups probably and um they just have to play their game and I think it'll be predominantly through the run they have a huge advantage in the trenches especially so Notre Dame can get the run game going um Georgia Tech they need to have a balanced attack on offense two weeks ago was Clemson last week I guess you could excuse them because of the Clemson effect but both of those weeks they could not get the run game going and it was predominantly on in the hand in the hands of Jeff Sims, who you can't completely rely on yet. So especially with not the most amazing receiving core, but this week I think they need to get Gibbs going and that running back group as a whole and open up more things for Sims. Yeah, fully agree. Um, but with that being said, I think that's all I got my piece on. I mean, I would love to see Georgia Tech say give uh, give Notre Dame a good old ACC welcome with a little. ACC chaos, coastal chaos, but you know, who, who really know, but moving on to the four o'clock game on the ACC network, by far the best game of the weekend here in the ACC. We've got a, I don't want to use the word reeling, but struggling Virginia tech team against the Louisville team that has been struggling, but man, they have looked good, honestly, the last two weeks defensively. And then Obviously, last week, the offense just exploded for points against Florida State. Uh, Virginia Tech, a three-and-a-half-point home – or, excuse me, road favorite, which I'm a little surprised about. I mean, I guess you could say – I mean, Virginia Tech has been the better team all year. I guess I'm glad Vegas is maybe not playing into the uh, – you know, basing everything off of just one week because, you know, we have a difference in how weeks went for both these teams. You know, Virginia Tech looked pretty rough, and Louisville looked pretty dang good last week. But – Dan, what are your thoughts going into the season? This is actually, you know, I had Virginia Tech winning the Coastal, but I still had Virginia Tech losing at Louisville this year when, you know, when things were normal, when, you know, COVID was not supposed to affect college football. And even going into, you know, the COVID season, I still thought this was a game that Louisville was going to win. I thought Virginia Tech was 
you know, when it came down to it, you know, Malik Cunningham versus, you know, uh, Hennon Hooker is a solid, you know, mobile quarterback matchup. I guess really if Virginia Tech's going to win this game, they're going to have to protect the football because that's been Louisville's biggest issue too, is if they, you know, if, if, if Virginia Tech can win the turnover margin, there's no reason why they shouldn't win this football game. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. Maybe I had Louisville being Virginia Tech preseason. I'm not sure. But either way, it was a completely different Louisville team. But then at the same time, maybe that Louisville team that we thought we'd get in the beginning of the season has emerged with that offense completely exploding, which, I mean, we haven't seen that Louisville offense completely explode, I don't think, all year. Even Western Kentucky, I don't think we saw that premier Louisville offense. So it was great to see that finally happen. Um, I absolutely love this matchup. We have a team that started off the year pretty well and is coming off of a bad stretch. We have a team that started off the year poorly and just had a great win. So um, this matchup is great. But in terms of my prediction, I do want to point out that I had NC State way back when beating Virginia Tech, upsetting them. And I don't want to fall into that trap again. I know that makes not a lot of sense because one is completely independent of the other, but I'm going to take Virginia Tech outright. Um, I, I think they're just a little bit of a better team, but I'm not completely confident in it. So give me Louisville gets the points plus three and a half. Yeah, I, I think I, I really want to go Louisville here, Dan. I really do just because again, I predicted in the preseason. So a part of me wants to take it. Plus I don't like that Virginia Tech's a three and a half point favorite on the road, but on the same front, I mean, we saw last week, I mean, Virginia Tech's defense did look good last week, especially in the second half. They made some very solid adjustments to really slow that running attack for Wake Forest and really kind of obviously make Sam Hartman beat them. But Sam Hartman really didn't beat them. Just Wake, or Virginia Tech really just couldn't do anything offensively. And that's where, like, you know, I think if Louisville wants to win this game, they're going to have to put up points. And I don't know if they can do it against this Hokie defense. This Hokie defense has been very solid. Obviously, it's not at the – the Bud Foster level of defense he had, you know, in his prime, but this defense has looked very, very good. I mean, besides that North Carolina game, you know, again, Duke and NC State are a little bit weird, but, you know, the last two weeks, especially, I mean, this defense has looked very solid. So I, I, I do, you know, I'm, I'm going to go with Louisville here, Dan, just because I predicted in the preseason. So I'm just going to stick with it because why not? Um, my preseason predictions have been terrible, so might as well just you know chalk up an L and let you get a get a win here on this one. Um, I would go Louisville in the spread either way. I think if Virginia Tech wins, I would feel more comfortable saying they win by three than being a three and a half point spread for the Hokies. But I, I hope I'm wrong. I want to see Hendon Hooker, you know, play to the level. You know, the Hendon Hooker for Heisman um, campaign. I want that to get back on track. But um, it'll be interesting because Louisville's rush defense has been. Better of late, but not great in a couple of those games, that Georgia Tech game especially. Uh, they kind of struggled, and even against Miami, they struggled drastically. So it'll be interesting to see if they can, you know, slow that backfield of Blackshear and Herbert because if they can get that going for Virginia Tech, this this is one of those games where I could see Virginia Tech blowing. Like, I think either Louisville wins or Virginia Tech blows them out. I really don't know if this game is close and the Hokies pull one out. I, I don't know why I feel that way, especially because I'm taking Louisville to win, but – I'm probably going to be wrong here, Dan. So I, I I'm just going to, I'm going to go with Louisville here. Just, just cause. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the Louisville run defense has been better, but I mean, last week I think was a little bit of a fluke in terms of Khalil Herbert, not completely going off. He still leads the conference and 
probably the country. I'm not positive. I didn't check, but he has 131 rushing yards per game still. So um, I definitely am confident in him rushing well. Um, uh, here's the thing about Hendon Hooker. He was bad last week, but at the same time, I still think that they just haven't put him in the best situation this year. Um, I read that he only threw seven deep balls this year, seven passes. I think a deep ball is considered like 20 plus yards in the air. Um, and that is the least lowest rate among power five starters. So um, he's naturally safe with the ball. So I think if you could, he's also a good thrower downfield. So I think if you let him be aggressive, that's where the Virginia Tech offense has thrived. And um, I mean, their receiving core is not as good as it was last year, which is unfortunate for them, but I mean, they have a good vertical threat in James Mitchell. Maybe use him a little bit, um, the tight end. And that'll open things up on the ground for him. And, I mean, they still have Khalil Herbert to go to. So, if they have kind of that dynamic threat that, I mean, two weeks ago we kind of thought that they had after they um, – who'd they beat two weeks ago with Hendon Hooker rushing for, like, 200 yards? Boston College. Boston College, right. So – if that's the case where that offense is back to, I guess, pre-Wake Forest days, then, I mean, it's pretty – it's going to be pretty unstoppable. And maybe there, you could take one positive away from the Wake game, and that is that their defense was better. Yeah, and that's what scares me. I think all trends kind of point to Virginia Tech, but I'm just going to stick with my preseason guns. Plus, it's a little bit more fun when we disagree. That way, someone gets bragging rights next week, but – and this is definitely going to be, I mean, you said it, it's your game of the week. It's my game of the week. I mean, this is going to be a fantastic game. Can't wait to watch this one at four o'clock on Saturday. But uh, moving on, we've got a, honestly, could be a pretty good game. And that kind of stinks to say it. But we've got Charlotte playing Duke at seven o'clock on your local Raycom Sports Network. And we're talking about a uh, Charlotte team that wanted their shot at UNC. And, of course, that game got canceled. Uh, Charlotte has looked better of late. But, again, they've had two – they've actually had three games, Dan, postponed or canceled this year. Uh, the UNC game, Georgia State, as well as FIU a few weeks ago. Um, Charlotte is, you know, two and two. But their wins are UTEP and UN, uh, North Texas. And they uh, lost a close one on FAU and lost a uh, – I think it's a fairly close one to App State in week one, but Duke's got to win this game, right, Dan? I mean, like, there's no way this Duke team doesn't win this game. I mean, if not, I mean, we're looking at a Duke team that's probably not winning a game the rest of the year. Chase Bryce is by far the best quarterback in this game. I think that in the end, Duke's front is what's going to win them this game. They're going to give, you know, Charlotte offense some struggles. I no, Reynolds was their quarterback previously. I think he's back in the lineup now, if I'm not mistaken, Chris Reynolds. So obviously that does help that you know Charlotte has him back. But yeah, this is this is a game that I think I think Duke should win. I think they should cover him. I mean, it's nine, nine and a half. Yeah, nine and a half point spread. So I think Duke should win by 10 or more. So give me Duke to cover. But man, if Duke loses this game, they might end up becoming the worst team in the ACC then. <laughs> yeah, well. I mean, the argument for Syracuse being the worst team in the ACC is they lost by to Liberty, and Liberty's better than Charlotte, so I guess you could argue that. Um, yeah, this game hopefully isn't close. I mean, all I'm asking for is a Duke victory. If you told me right now Duke would win by, like, four points, 
I'll just take it because that's how not confident I am. But um, I look at it on paper and I, I have Duke winning. I have him covering the nine and a half point spread. I don't feel comfortable doing it. And maybe it's my ACC bias kicking in, but I'm going to do it. And um, I mean, you're more the group of five aficionado of the two of us, but I'll give kind of my impression of Charlotte a little bit. They're kind of, what are they, like average to above average at the group of five level, I'd say. I mean, they have a above average coach with an above average quarterback, but overall, especially this year, I've actually closely watched their games because I have this weird fascination with both North Texas and UTEP. So I've actually watched their last two games fairly closely. And, uh, and even the FAU game, I watched a, a, probably a good half of it. I just, they haven't really done anything. They, they look a little bit worse than last year. The defense has improved, but I mean, we're talking about a team that lost to Buffalo in the Bahamas Bowl. And I do think that Duke is better than them. I think that in the end, I mean, Duke also has a bye week to prepare for them. So I just think in the end, I mean, and Charlotte has had major COVID issues. I mean, they're, I think they're close to back to full strength, but they've had, you know, some guys that have only had one or two weeks of practice going into this. Um, Duke has done a great job of kind of limiting their COVID numbers. I don't even, I don't know if they've released any, but we obviously haven't heard any major issues with over with Duke when it comes to COVID. So I, I think in the end here, you know, Duke is just the better team and they should cover. I mean, this is one of those games where, if Duke finds themselves in a back and forth game late in the fourth quarter and it's a three point game, Charlotte's probably going to find a way to walk one off with a touchdown late or something. But I mean, Charlotte has not looked impressive this year. They've looked, they look like a very average to maybe a little bit above average group of five team, but Duke is better than an above average group of five team. Not any, they're not, they would not beat a great group of five team. This was, you know, we're talking coastal Carolina and Duke. I'm probably going coastal, but you know, when it comes to the Charlotte team, I think that Duke, you know, should win this game. But I am excited because I think there is a chance that Chris Reynolds is a better quarterback than Chase Bryce. And so there's a chance that we might, you know, get to see what Chris Reynolds can kind of prove. And I know the Charlotte team's probably jumping at the bit because they, they thought they had a couple power five games on their schedule. And of course they lost the uh, UNC game. So this is almost a, uh, not a replacement because it was already on the schedule, but this is their this is their one chance to kind of do it against a P five team and Duke is a P five team that they could probably beat. Yeah, uh, I mean I hope not, but um, I got the impression they're kind of like run and shoot, like they're gonna run the ball most of the time, but they definitely have a gunslinger in Chris Reynolds, um, and I think what Duke defense needs to do, they need to uh, play off coverage force them to go underneath, but also cause disruptions up front. And they definitely have the personnel to do that. They have a very good defensive line, which is very weird because they've gotten all these pressures. They are almost in the lead in the country in pressures, and then their defense as a whole is not very good. So um, in terms of Duke offense versus Charlotte defense, I mean, the biggest Charlotte weakness I've seen is that they struggle to rush the passer. But I don't know. I don't trust Chase Bryce at all, even with time. I'm running the ball if I'm Duke whenever possible because the Charlotte team is good, not great at stopping the run. But, I mean, the more I kind of talk about this, I'm kind of feeling like this is going to be an ugly game, pretty low scoring. Uh, Charlotte's defense, I guess, is a little bit scary for a Duke offense. But I just think as a Power 5 team, and maybe it's wishful thinking, but I'm on the same page as you. Like, it's scaring me. But I think if I'm betting, I'm betting that Duke takes care of business. 
Yeah, no doubt for sure. Um, sorry, I got distracted here because I was getting kind of over the over the the moon for our next and final game. And if you're ready to move on, we'll move we'll move on to the uh, other Tobacco Road team with North Carolina heading to Virginia. And you know, there was some build up, Dan, about a, a blackout uniform for Virginia. I don't know if you've been on Twitter in the last hour, but Virginia's not wearing a blackout, Dan. They're just wearing they're all blue. Okay. So. Uh, very uh, disappointing uh, buildup for what I thought was going to be an all-black uniform. I was actually watching the video, so I think some of the sound may have gotten into the background here. But no, they're just wearing all blue. <laughs> so uh, nothing really new for Virginia when it comes to big games. So a little disappointed about that because I kind of thought we were going to see some some fancy uh, all blue or all black, excuse me, or maybe even just like an orange, like a Halloween type helmet of some sort, like the orange helmet, but no, all blue. So don't mean to spend our time talking about uh, video here, but I know I was getting kind of excited. I thought maybe Virginia for once was going to throw a big wrinkle into their uniform, which is not a Bronco men and all thing, but typical Virginia last year, they built up this, oh, we're going to have these crazy cool helmets against Duke. And they just put the college ball 150 decals on the helmets oh, and <laughs> call it a day. So don't be wrong. I thought it was cool as a college football fan. I actually have the mini helmets of both teams that they wore, but at the same time, like it wasn't this like crazy, like, like I thought it was going to be like super throwback uniforms or something like that for college ball 150. It'd be like Virginia versus Duke 1904 jerseys or some, some crap like that. But unfortunately Virginia is just wearing all blue, which I think is a pretty good combo for them, Dan, when they're at home. I think I know that's what they wore against Florida state last year and they wore it against Miami two years ago, but anyways, we'll just dive right into this Virginia UNC preview with UNC only a seven point road favorite. I mean, I get it's in Charlottesville, but it's not like Charlottesville is going to be bumping. They're not letting fans in the building. I mean, it'll be just like it was against NC state where it's almost 50, 50 sound effect wise, because there's just as many NC state fans as there were Virginia fans because it's parents and stuff like that. So I have a feeling it's going to be the same way when it comes to this UNC Virginia game. UNC has a lot of North or a lot of Virginia's Virginians on their roster. So wouldn't shock me if there might be a, a very solid 50, 50 split here, but and what are your thoughts? Cause I, I kind of had an upset vibe for this one, but with the spread being so low, it kind of makes me feel like that upset vibe should go away. Um. Yeah. That, that's kind of exactly how I feel. Actually, this just, has the vibes to be strange game in my opinion it's Halloween night but um and UVA has owned UNC in the recent past but I just think whatever the spread is six and a half seven it's way too low for me um give me UNC against the points I'm actually gonna lock this up this week I was initially thinking after right after the games last week I was thinking you know this is gonna be a 14 15 point spread and i'll be feel pretty comfortable picking uva against those points but six and a half is just way too low for me so that's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna take unc and lock it uh and you talked about that game at virginia which that might play a factor but i was just i just saw something that like in the nfl the home field advantage has been the worst win percentage the home teams have had the worst win percentage since like the 70s and Obviously, that has to do with no fans in, this, in the stands. So that's going to be the case in Virginia. I don't think home field advantage is that big of a deal. Um, but, I mean, this, this could be really hype. Like, I remember last year's game was one of the ACC games of the year, last year's game between UVA and UNC. And 
it was extremely well played and Howell and Bryce Perkins were both going off. So, I mean, do you think we have a chance for another one of those between Sam Howell and Brendan Armstrong? Yeah. Yeah. I think they got a chance. We've seen, you know, UNC kind of struggle a little bit. I mean, we saw Hen Hooker kind of take off in that second half of that game against Virginia Tech, but obviously Hen Hooker is a better quarterback than Brendan Armstrong. I mean, I, I think my biggest concern, biggest question, maybe not concern, is will Virginia's defense show up? They struggled with UNC last year. You know, Virginia's defense looked pretty solid last week, but they've kind of struggled, I mean, this year. I mean, we, we talked about it last week, you know, where's this UVA defense been that was supposed to be the backbone on this team? And, you know, I, I do think UNC wins this game because it's six and a half or seven, depending on where you look. I do think that UNC will cover that. I do think they win by like 10, 14, somewhere around there. UNC is going to finally back up that they own Virginia thing because, you know, they're going to sweep the Virginia schools in the Power Five at least. But, yeah, this is a – I mean, I guess – I mean, I think UNC is is ready to go. They're, they're going to be locked in because they realize that, you know, they got Notre Dame left. You know, they could potentially still make this AC championship game. They, but if they lose this one – their hopes are pretty much just as close as Virginia, Texas. So I think on that front, you've got to, you've got to expect UNC to show up and the South's oldest rivalry. So um, yeah, this is going to be, this does have the makings to be a good one, especially after what happened last year. Like you said, that game was phenomenal last year. Um, it'd be pretty f- interesting and fun to kind of see Brandon Armstrong break off a run like Bryce Perkins did last year, start the second half and kind of spark this kind of comeback for, um, excuse me for the for the UVA offense, but overall, I, I do think that this one just favors UNC too much. And unfortunately, for a Virginia team that we were pretty high on to start the year, we're talking about a uh, almost a uh, Mike London type Virginia start of one and five. Again, I don't think this team is as bad as those Mike London teams, but yeah, I do think North Carolina here is going to win and cover. Yeah, I, I think. The way UVA wins or at least keeps it close is if it's kind of a low-ish scoring game. I don't think it'll be a field position battle by any means. But if it's a game in the 20s, then maybe Virginia could keep it close and maybe pull it off. If it gets to be high scoring and it gets to be a shootout, I think UNC will pull away. Um, The key for Virginia, they don't have the same offense that they have last year. So in order to beat UNC, they're going to need their defense to show up. But... Oh, by the way, I think, um, I mean, we said this two weeks ago. I think Ronnie Walker is finally playing. So we said two weeks ago that he was going to play. He got cleared to play. And then I think he got either he he got COVID himself or contact trace or whatever happened. So he had to quarantine for two weeks. But I think this is finally the week for him to return. And UVA really needs a boost in their run game. So. That'll be huge. I think that'll kind of be the key is whether they could get that run game going. Um, But, I mean, you can't leave it in the hands of Brendan Armstrong, especially because their big field stretcher, pretty much their only vertical threat and the only guy that has made explosive big plays for this offense, and that is Lavelle Davis. He's going to be out too. So that's not looking good for Virginia either. Yeah, no, for sure. So, yeah. UNC is probably going to win this one. But, again, would be very ACC-like for Virginia to, you know, beat North Carolina here and continue their kind of recent dominance. And by dominance, I mean three, four years on North Carolina. But, 
Ken, any final thoughts on this ACC slate before we wrap it up for the night? No, I'm I'm done with this slate. Um, I'm kind of, I mean, I'm just, I'm really fascinated by that, um, by that possibility. And it's, I mean, if Notre Dame beats Clemson and UNC wins out, Clemson doesn't make the ACC championship game. That's that's just been fascinating to me all day. I'm wondering if that's the case. Is that our path to have two ACC teams in the playoffs? Because I think a one loss Clemson team might get in and then you can't not put in the ACC champion. Obviously it depends on how the rest of the slate goes, but I mean, maybe, maybe that's our path to two teams. Obviously we need Ohio state and Alabama to win out and not have chaos in the SEC or big 10. But I mean, that's, I guess I have to have vested interest this weekend in Ohio state against Penn state in that case and root for Ohio state. Yeah. Right. But yeah, that, that kind of sums it up. It's a slow week here in the ACC. Um, honestly, it's kind of a slow week across the country. I mean, some of the best games really aren't that great. I mean, Texas, Oklahoma State, uh, Georgia, Kentucky could be pretty good. I mean, honestly, one of the games we're looking forward to the most is shout out to my buddy at fifth quarter CCU, but Coastal Carolina, Georgia State could be one of the, the better games of the weekend. So uh, Ohio State, Penn State obviously could be a very good game. It normally is, but I mean, it's not a not a great week all across college football. So it does make me feel a little bit better that the ACC slate's not great because at least it's kind of that's kind of the uh, the consensus across the board, especially with the loss of Wisconsin and Nebraska. Which, by the way, um, I really want to use an explicit, but I don't think you or I know how to block out like with a bleep sound yet. But uh, bleep. The Big Ten, Dan, because that's pathetic that they're not letting Nebraska play a non-conference game just because another team can't handle COVID protocols. That's that's some uh, that's some Big Ten type uh, poop right there for sure. So, um, other than that, though, Dan, stay safe, wear a mask, so we continue this college football season. Because man, I want to see this end. We're so far. You can say we're halfway through the year. The last thing I want is to see this thing abruptly come to the end like Mark Madness did. So let's get through this crap, but everyone stay safe. It just means a little bit less here and go ACC and can't wait for some AC chaos, Dan. Cause I, I, that's the only thing I, I will predict and feel confident about, Dan. One upset that we did not call is going to happen, whether it be Virginia beating North Carolina or Georgia Tech beating Notre Dame because, you know, it's the ACC and it just means less.